and welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who likes big bases and he cannot lie. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, doing all right, Kieran. Looks like you made it home okay. Made it home. Smooth travels. Uh, not going to lie. A little bit fatigued in a good way. Had, a, had myself a really nice time in Detroit. Uh, we'll talk about some opening day stuff uh, or home opener stuff maybe a little bit later. But yeah, made it back recording in the good state of Texas where it is a crisp 72 degrees. Uh, not going to lie. That was the southern man in me was struggling <laughs> being out there watching a baseball game when it's that cold. I was telling my wife, Alexis, I was like, you know, I don't think I would be cold if it was October. I think that your mind kind of shifts a little bit if you're watching postseason baseball mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a home opener. Not that, you know, it's not exciting, too, but it's a little different postseason. Oh, well, for, for, for April, this weekend was considered good baseball weather in Detroit. And I don't know why you would be tired. It's not like we stayed out too late three <laughs> nights in a row or anything. I don't, no, I, I, I have no recollection of that at all. Um <laughs> Well, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Well, speaking of things we wish we could forget, uh, the Tigers got swept by the Red Sox last game happening while I was uh, on my plane back down to Texas, so I didn't get to watch it, but followed up as quickly as I could. Um, Was the Astros series this week, or did it happen two weeks ago? It feels like forever ago as I was trying to go back, but I wanted to start with the the more topical news around the team. Austin Meadows has gone on the injured list for anxiety. Right now, I believe it's the 10. Um, don't want to speculate how long that will be, obviously. Uh, the most important thing is, you know, he's a, he's a son, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a brother, he's a friend, like all those things. Uh, people just need to have the ability to get right, and I, ho- and, I and I hope he does. That's the most important thing. Uh Baseball-wise, Cody, which is just what we're going to have to talk about. So, you know, this, that's what we do on, on the podcast. Baseball-wise, it was just a weird deal. So I'll tell you from my perspective. Like, I I get to the park on uh, Saturday, and I'm just looking at some shops and, you know, gra- grabbing a nice cold beverage. And I had seen the lineup earlier. I had an idea what was, you know, kind of going on, but I just was off. I was off Twitter. I was trying to be healthy and be off Twitter a little bit uh, to just kind of soak in the moment and, and walk around and all that stuff. And my wife looks at the scoreboard like, wait, Badu's starting? I was like, no, he's in Toledo. Why would you say that? And she's like, it said it on the screen. And then sure enough, she was right. And I go on Twitter and I, you know, catch up a little bit uh, on the news there. So for those that maybe it got lost in translation or just don't fully understand like what we know of the timing of it. Um, apparently Badu, you know, was up at four thirty trying to get to the game on Saturday. Like, can you clarify kind of what, what you understand as is how this kind of played out? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot we don't know. Um, you know, Badu again, said he was aware, you know, Friday night that uh, he was likely going to go to Detroit. Um, so I guess he was kind of waiting for the official call. He woke up at 4.30 the next morning, and uh, Toledo was playing in Omaha, so Akil jumps on a flight and heads to Detroit. Then he actually had to drive over to Toledo and get some of his stuff and then drive back to Detroit and made it to the park uh, just just in enough time to get suited up and go out there and hit leadoff. 
you know, exactly what transpired. Again, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we're, we're obviously not privy to in this situation. My understanding is that um, it was just a, a procedural process to get Meadows on the IL, the, the, you know, with anxiety. It didn't get done until close to game time. So that maybe explains a little bit of the, the strangeness of the timing. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate. Obviously, we, we wish the best for Austin. Um, from the outside, it seemed like he had been in pretty good spirits, and that's what um, other players had even said. So whatever he was dealing with, he was he was hiding it, which is kind of a reminder that you, you never know exactly what another person is going through. Um, again, don't know the exact circumstances, and in this case, it's really not our business. I do think Austin and the Tigers have continued to handle this situation very well and providing the, the right level of transparency and being um, out front, destigmatizing mental health, making it something we can uh, be a little bit open about and discuss. I think they did a good job handling it last year. Obviously, it's terrible to see this creep up again when you think it's behind them and we start having you know, conversations, can Austin Meadows return to form? And you get excited about what he could mean to the team. And, um, you know, I don't know if it'll play like out like that or not. Again, we don't know how long Austin will be away from baseball. Uh, but that's, that's just kind of the state of things and where we're at right now with this situation. Well, I'm not going to pretend to be a mental health expert, but it is also another reminder of just the, there are so many things in, in life that are not linear. And, right. and, and a mental health journey uh, is something that is not linear. Like it's it's a path with some some ebbs and flows, and and hopefully you know he can do what he needs to do in order to get to the other side there. Uh, you know, and as far as his play on the field, you know he he, he had not returned the form yet. You know, so far this season he was hitting two thirty eight. He had five hits. Um, it looked like he wasn't comfortable in the outfield, and so it's it's one of those things where I'm looking up like you know how has he done so far, and then kind of we have to kind of just transition now to who who is replacing him, and that's the two guys that battled each other out for the fourth outfield job all throughout spring, and that's Kerry Carpenter and Akil Badu. I gotta commend Akil Badu for going through all of this and driving back to Toledo and. And still managing to be a keel. Uh, first at bat, infield single, I believe, if memory serves. And uh, and it was like a classic, like, it was just an Akil moment. And he's got four hits now, you know, through two games, which is impressive. And, and Kerry Carpenter has three doubles on the season, which leads the team. So, in, in terms of the baseball aspect of Meadows no longer being on the team, how does this kind of shape out like rotations, lineups? Because we had all known that right-handers were coming, and this was probably going to be the time that you would expect Meadows to find his form. Now he's got to go take care of himself, but the Tigers have to keep playing, and you have two left-handed batters with different profiles and Akil and Carpenter, who I would say have kind of played to their expected ability so far yeah we mm -hmm. haven't seen Akil uh steal a base or anything I don't believe and and Carpenter hasn't gotten one out of the yard yet but his stick is looking good and and Badu, and Badu I thought looked relatively comfortable for his defensive skill set in the outfield 
So how does this kind of shake AJ's options for uh, for the outfield rotation and then getting carry some DH spots and, and you know, those kind of things as we move forward? Right. Obviously, we're going to see primarily a lot of those two guys. I do think there are probably some other options on the table. Could this mean a little more Eric Haas in left field, which I think there's already a little push to get more of Jake's glove behind the plate. So that could be one possibility. And since every guy in the team plays a million positions, I don't know, maybe we get more creative and uh, Nick Maton plays the outfield or something. So we get more of Kreidler in the infield. Who knows? Uh, none of that's out of the realm of possibility. I would just say, man, it was nice to hear the, the yabba dabba do at Comerica Park um, this weekend. You know, I thought Akil was going to be on the opening day roster. He wasn't. That decision, it turns out, just kind of came down to, uh, it came down to the bat. And it was like, all right, if, you know, you need to pinch hit late in the game or one of these guys is up late in the game, who do you trust more to get the hit? And the answer, you know, in the mind of the Tigers was Carpenter. And that was probably the correct answer. But I think within just a couple of days, man, we saw what Akil can do and what he can bring to an otherwise pretty sleepy lineup when he is right. Uh, the problem and the reason Akil was not on the opening day roster is for his skill set to really shine, he does have to get on base. Um, and his, his offensive profile just hasn't been there for a while. Good news is he was off to a pretty scorching start in Toledo. Like we said, he's already carried it over to Detroit a little bit. I wonder if Akil Badu might not just be the the type of burst of energy that, that this team could use. Yeah, for sure. I mentioned the basis thing at the top here, and I've I've yet to see the Tigers manufacture wins. Obviously, they haven't done it that much. They only got two of them. Uh, but the 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 run scoring is a is a problem here, and. I think I heard Dan on the radio. I should have looked this up before, but I think I heard Dan on the radio say like five of the five of the nine games, less two runs or less, uh, some 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 number of that equivalent. If I get that partially, sounds right to me. Partially you know, incorrect. Uh, they're already last in the league in slugging, last in the league in on base percentage, last in the league in homers. I think they're like third to last in batting average. So you can hang your hat on that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake Rogers. Uh, Leads the team with two home runs. Uh, and, you know, a little bit of a Haas thing uh, for a second, Cody. Uh, I'm worried about burnout with him. You mentioned, like, the yeah. desire to get Jake behind the plate, which, you know, makes all the sense in the world. And especially if you're down an outfielder, you know, I know he's a right-handed bat, but per se it makes sense to get put Haas in left field. It makes a lot of sense. But... I mean, where is he going to get a break? I mean, that that that's something that only nine games in I'm worried about because he's sat once, twice. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it hasn't been a very good start for him either, which I don't know. Last year we were talking about how do we get Haas more the consistent at-bats he needs, and now we're saying, oh, how do we get Haas a break? So <laughs> uh, I, guess you, I guess you can't have it both ways. Um, sounds like he needs some time to get going. That is a fair question. I wonder if the answer isn't maybe this leads to less time behind the plate and where maybe the that rest isn't as important, though. That'll be uh, something to watch going forward. And, and I will say this. If we're looking at, you know, it's just sports. Like, someone's going to benefit from Meadows' absence in terms of playing time, right? That's what we're talking about. And prior to this, one of the conversations you and I had had, Cody, was about I kind of felt like – 
Carpenter was in a little bit of a tough spot because you're there for your bat, and really that's it. It's not like Badu, like there's certain elements of speed, right, on the bases and getting on base, right, and, you know, the occasional pop and the flare and all that stuff. But it, it, Carpenter, it's bat, 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 bat. And if you're not getting consistent at-bats, you know, you go for... Now, I'll just make up a number. He didn't do this, but you go 0 for 6 over the course of a week. Like, that's not really fair to judge him, but the same... But you know what I mean? But he has performed well, but I think... I think we might figure out Kerry Carpenter here, because I'm I'm guessing... And I don't want to speculate. I'm not trying to speculate, but I'm just saying, like, this Meadows thing is probably going to take some time, all right? Uh, so Carpenter's going to be getting more regular at-bats, and I mentioned the right-handed pitching stuff that's coming down. I think we might figure him out. I think we might get as close to an answer, we'll say like 25 games in, on a, on a fourth outfielder type that you would reasonably expect. And you know what? Good for him. I, I, I look forward to that because there was a situation where I was afraid that he wasn't going to get those opportunities and and like like i said you know not i'm not gonna put him in cooperstown for batting 263 uh through nine games but <laughs> but but the fact that he, i think he his home opener double was opposite field am i remembering that correctly i had a couple had a couple was, had a yeah. couple brews that day uh but if he can show himself to be that formal uh formal hitter that i think he could be to to a certain extent uh, this will do the Tigers a lot of good in f- figuring out an answer while also giving Badu a chance to gain his footing. Uh, this changes the complexion, I think, for a lot of guys that you're trying to figure out what their long-term uh, role is with the team. Well, right, and I don't know if we ever get a clear answer right away, but we are certainly about to learn a lot about Kerry Carpenter Tigers are facing a long run of right-handed starting pitching, so he's probably going to be in the lineup just about every day. And I am interested to see what he will do in a larger sample. We've seen him hit the ball hard. We know he has pop in that bat. But as the league gets more information on him, is the type of hitter who can adjust. You mentioned going the opposite way. That's something that evaluators have been concerned he just can't do. Uh, That's not even to mention his defense, which has been pretty rough, although he made a very good throw home in Sunday's game that Eric Haas did uh, not secure and applied the tag on, unfortunately. A surprisingly good throw from Carpenter. So that's a thing, too. How much can you live with his defense or lack thereof in the field? We're also going to probably get an answer on that question in the days ahead. Yeah, and I know you never want to like limit a 25, 26-year-old player to... Uh, like projection the DH that's not like an efficient means of developing players but I'm looking I'm looking at him to get a lot more DH spots uh the it was nice to see Cabrera get an RBI hit in the home opener that that was really cool obviously the first uh, first pitch I think the first pitch might have been the greatest you could possibly have like four players that was cool that was four cool. players that defined a generation for the Detroit franchises, all throwing out the first pitch together, uh, that was that was a, as cool a moment as as I think you could possibly have um, from a uh, sports figures perspective. But speaking of guys, you're gonna get a lot of playing time. Uh, we're we're getting a lot of Zach McGinstry. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. We are getting a lot of Zachy boy and. Look, I'm not trying to be like too mean to a guy who's you know trying to 
became a major league player. Like all the respect in the world. It's just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it's not inspiring for me. It's just not inspiring. I think I watched him three straight times, ground out to second base on Saturday, and you know he got in on, in a key spot. I was I put on the radio as I was driving home uh, from the airport. Came up in a key spot today, and I think he had a weak flyout. I think is if if if, uh, if I recall correctly. Uh, not the only one, by the way, who, who did not step up to the plate, metaphorically speaking, in, in a key spot on Sunday. But I just don't. I just, I just feel like there there is. That's as bad an indicator for this team right now as anything is the amount of playing time McKinstry is getting. Uh, like and and it, it just like I said, it's uninspiring to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for Zach. Like it's just uninspiring to me. I I would I could have talked myself into being not excited, but you know, a little little interested when Caesar would come to the plate in a key spot. Uh, I could have talked myself in a lot of things and and McKinstry. You know, God bless his soul. He wears his socks the right way, but. Uh, it's just, it doesn't, doesn't do it for me. And that might be like the epitome, I think of going to, uh, two and seven to start out the season. It's, it's, it's interesting. I know the Tigers did not love Cesar Hernandez. I have a hard time. I mean, I guess McKinstry's younger, but I have a hard time grasping. Why exactly did they think this was better? They really see a lot of upside here. I know he's done well in AAA. I know he supposedly controls the strike zone, all that good stuff. But we, although it is a short sample, we have kind of seen a lot of Zach already, <laughs> as you mentioned. His average exit velocity right now is 77.4 miles per hour. That puts him in the bottom 1% of the league. Uh, he just has not really hit the baseball hard. He looks fine in the field, uh, nothing special. You know, you would like to think if Scott Harris, you know, picked Zach McKinstry for a reason, there's there's something in there, but we have not seen it yet. And how often he's played seems a little bit like a classic A.J. Hinch move. Like, we're going to find out about this dude real fast, and if it's not working, I'm going to keep trotting him out there to make it clear that this ain't going to work, and, and, you know, we're going to have to make a roster move. That's kind of the sense I'm getting from this and why we are seeing so much of him. Every now and then I look for evidence of just like a personal opinion that's not data-backed, but I just want to put my flag down in this particular area. And the not me not caring about right-handed versus left-handed pitchers is like, what's what's your evidence? My evidence is playing McKinstry that much. Like, it's just like... I, <laughs> right. I has, it, has it really helped you find the advantage on the margin yet? No, it has not. Exactly. Exactly. And... I think, I think there's validity to Kreidler's playing time. I think there's validity to getting scope right. But part of getting scope right is he's going to have to get those at-bats. And here we go. Favorite podcast topic of 2023. Uh-oh. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Scope. I think there's... You see Kreidler, and, and apparently he's you know really popular guy, as a scope. And I'm sure McKinstry's a good guy, too, but... Uh, if you're scoping, you're on the bench, and you see Kreidler, you know, do something spectacular or really good in the field, you can be like, okay, like you know, like the guy who's playing ahead right, of me right. is it doesn't is not a scrub. 
when you see McKinstry out there, and again, I'm not calling him a scrub, but is there a wow for anything? Is there a wow for anything? And how is that affecting Scope's mindset? This second base thing is really weird. And now I'm just kind of talking about it out loud. This this second base situation, uh, a position that in the history of this podcast, you felt pretty solid about the entire time. And uh, and I don't know. I'm going to have to take an L here a little bit later, Cody, in regards to bullpen. I'm asking you. I'm not accusing. Is there is, is there an L for your Scope positions that I share too, by the way? Uh, but is there an L to be had for the Scope uh, positions that you had leading up to the season because as of now it they're they're not giving us anything for our Jonathan Scope defense yeah I still think Jonathan Scope is not going to be cut anytime soon I again I said well the uh the start of May maybe we can talk about that I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong I'm just saying I don't think it's realistically something that the Tigers front office is going to do um that said starting to think yeah, maybe that turnaround is not coming. It has been a long sample. He's hitting like 170 since the middle of last July and has not been off to a very good start. He does have like three walks though, so kudos yeah, Jonathan key, key for, spot for today three with walks. Walk, yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, he, he does. He looks slower and he, his motions of the plate are slow. He still cannot catch up to the fastball. It's been, this is getting long here. We need to see something out of Mr. Scope's bat pretty soon. And now Kreidler, with what Kreidler's doing in the field, maybe putting a little bit of pressure on. That's another thing, like Carpenter. At some point, we're probably going to start seeing a lot of Kreidler, and we're going to figure out if if he can do enough at the plate to justify plus defense. I don't know exactly what that line is, especially if Jonathan Scope does not hit uh, we're going to find out because he's going to be the best option to plug in the infield every day. Yeah, and the third base conversation continues to be a part of it too. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure I'm in favor of that unless you're just like, I don't know. It, what did I say like last week or two weeks ago? To what end? Like if you're, right. if you're treating Jonathan Scope as your sixth infielder, or seventh infielder, excuse me, uh, or either one, either one. Based on the playing time, might be the tenth infielder. Uh, th- then, then to what end? Like, it, you could do right by him by rele- releasing him and giving him a shot to go somewhere else, fresh start, all this stuff. Uh, the money doesn't matter, but if you're gonna move on, then move on. If you're gonna, if you're trying to push him, then I guess okay, but actions speak louder than words and right now there's just no there's no sense of urgency to put to put scope in and um and i'm thinking like okay so he's slower now i thought this like best shape of his life thing he did actually look good how did he get slower he was sending videos supposedly to aj with the with the drills and all this stuff and and i just feel like they're telling us something and maybe they just maybe it's an agreement to kind of ride this out but if I was Scope and I saw McKinstry get my playing time, that uh, I would be pissed. And I don't know if I'd be pissed and shut down or be pissed and work harder, but I'd be pissed. So, so yeah, there's that. Um, a little bit more than a weekend, Cody. Can we get a, a green update? Because there's some counting numbers we were like, okay, uh, but he's... 
he had his moment earlier this week, which seems like two weeks ago, um, where he hit hit the ball oppo right. right right at the tracks there in Houston. But I I was hoping to get more moments from him over the course of the course of this homestand. I have high hopes for Riley Green. He's you know he still made a spectacular catch on Monday again. Was it Tuesday? Wh- whichever day, uh, which is a reminder of what he can do defensively but there was also a ball that got in between him and Veerling that seen on Saturday that seemed like uh something that you know just has to be caught you can't like have that happen in, in the major leagues small margins when you can't hit you got to be able to get to those balls uh but Riley Green is in many ways a future as well as Torque and there's been enough evidence to be positive but um at the same time like Riley I believe leads the team in strikeouts and and, yeah. and and so like he's still not maybe he's still f- getting it, sharpening his eye but uh but Riley's a guy that needs to step up has had some moments but uh there's still stuff lacking there which is okay but we got to talk about it yeah i'm far from worried about it most of the things i'm worried about on this team Riley Green's still about toward the bottom the real nice first few game of the season um First few games of the season really shined in that Houston series. It was a rough series for him against Boston. And for such a talented player, every now and then he has some pretty ugly swings where he really flies open, even pulls his head off the ball. And you saw that. You're seeing that with the punch outs. One thing I really want to watch, we talked about, you know, he's got to elevate the ball a little more coming into the season. And that hasn't really happened yet, especially not to the pole side. Uh, I'd like to see Riley Green hit a home run to right field at some point. You know, it's it's been a minute, uh, but it's in there, and he's still performing as well as any player on this team. Um, but I think there can, is some tweaking to be done regarding his plate approach right now. Yeah, and I will say this: it didn't uh, just the TV angle. I don't I don't know how it looked in person, Cody against Houston, but that that home that monster shot home run he had, it didn't look like he. Like, and I mean this as a credit to him. It didn't look like he mammothed it at the plate. It just, like, it, you know, it was just a, a good good swing approach there. Uh, and it just kind of kept carrying. Each announcer, I believe Shep and Dan, were kind of like, you, you could see the shock in their voice as that ball kind of, you know, you know, kept carrying. Uh, Torgelson had an RBI today. Leads the team in RBI. So if you're looking for positives, one of the things you would like to see, now you would want more of these numbers just in general, but... One of the things you would like to see is the green to be one of the leaders in runs, uh, and Torque to be the leader or among the leaders in uh, in RBIs. And I gotta say, I I get a little kick every day, kind of figuring out where they put Torque in the lineup because I believe it was, oh man, all these days are running together. Monday or Tuesday, Green and Torque were three four in the lineup, and yeah. and that and, and turned out to be a successful endeavor. But, you know, Torque has gone as low as six, I believe. And I think kind of, so like five is, I guess, his sweet spot. But his positioning is is rather interesting in the lineup as AJ uh, has to figure out how to make the order not too top-heavy, I guess, uh, given the lack of hitting in some other spots. Maybe maybe Badu and Carpenter coming in maybe levels out the lineup a little bit more. But, uh, but yeah, yeah I, 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 thought, I think I've seen good things from Torque as well. Yeah, I... Man, I like I really liked Riley hitting behind Badu. You know, if Badu's on second base and you have Riley behind him, it's like, oh, like 
you feel like the Tigers are going to score in that situation. Uh, Torkelson, the last two times against left-handed starters, has hit cleanup, Green's hit third, and he's hit a little lower against right-handed starters. There's some good signs still with Torque. His hard hit rate is 52%, which is pretty good. He's in the top you know, 20 percentile in average exit velocity and, and hard hit rate as well. So, right, like I think for this point in the season, it's early. Those things are good. We saw him turn on the fastball in the Houston series, hit a huge home run, uh, an old-school torque bomb. That was so good to see, obviously, in that night where he and Riley both play really well. It was so it was so fun, and those two wins in Houston. Uh, I wish we could have recorded after that. You know, it would have been a really, really good pod. It was a reminder that there's a world in which this team is is kind of fun, has a little bit of that 2021 Tigers energy maybe punches above its weight a little bit. Um, and then in Boston we saw, well, oh yeah, like everything has to go right for that to work. And one of the big things there, which leads us to another topic, is the bullpen. This team does not have a lot, a lot of margin for error, and it was very hard for them to scrap um, against the Red Sox when, when the bullpen let them down the first two games of that series. Uh, yes, the bullpen seen a lot of those guys mm-hmm. so here, here here's a little here's a little <laughs> uh little county number stat for you cody the starting pitchers for the tigers so far this year have pitched just over 39 innings in nine games that's averages less than four uh so that is, is that good i don't it's, it's not ideal it, it, it forces you to get a little creative, but it's it, it's fine if you got a bullpen loaded with proven major league arms. I was gonna say if you're the Rays, <laughs> that's almost ideal. Yeah. You're not the yeah, Rays, yeah, not 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 so much. Uh, yes, so you're seeing a lot of these guys. I mean, God, I thought Foley's arm was gonna fall off at one point. Uh, yeah, earlier in the year, and so so the L that I gotta take here is I said before the season started, I was like, I'm not worried about Jose Cisnero. Like, he's just, he's, he's Jose Cisnero. Like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. It's, it's, it's not fine, Cody. It, we, I, <laughs> it is early, but so far it is not fine. And if you can't count on, as currently, I don't know if you can, if you can't count on, Jose Cisnero to get you out of a jam or to hold, you know, a short deficit or a lead. Should you get one? I got to tell you, I kind of feel sorry for the fetters and the hinges of the world with that because if you can't depend on that, it's sort of like filling out your March Madness bracket where it's like, oh, yeah, 16 seed, definitely going to lose to a one seed. As soon as that don't happen and you can't rely on that, then it, it skews up your entire thought process. So I got to take the L on that. And here's another funny stat for you, Cody. How many strikeouts do you think Alex, Alex Lang has? Not enough. Zero. Zero. Wow. He, I did not. I, I did not know that. Zero strikeouts and uh, almost four innings pitched. Uh, wow. So this is a guy again that you were kind of gonna go rely on, and. As of and not to say that you know the strikeouts are everything here, but you know you bring well, in Alex, Alex Lane, they're they're, for, they're almost everything. <laughs> you bring in Alex Lane to get strikeouts, and so far it just hasn't happened. And I don't even know. 
I don't even know if you can. We joke all the time about closer, not closer, you know, whatever. But I, I, do you have a grasp of how AJ is trying to establish this bullpen? Because I don't, be, and that's not a criticism of him. It's it's a, it's a critique of just what's available. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and you kind of go down the line. It seems like Garrett Hill is your multi-purpose reliever. Uh, you know, not the most inspiring. And then Engler, I thought, has, has shown some good stuff. But I also think A.J. Smartly is trying not to overexpose a guy who pitched, what was it, 13 innings above high A mm-hmm. uh, prior to this year. So uh, you can't – you have to be careful with that, obviously. And Tyler Alexander is Tyler Alexander, but not as sharp. So uh, this is the epitome of the new regime is that – solid to all-stars were shipped out and not replaced with uh anybody with, well with I was trying to be <laughs> with with steady and reliable arms they were not replaced and I think there might be some hubris here involved a little bit I think maybe there was some assumptions on some guys I mean but you know Wingenter, you know, looks like a nice pickup, but in terms of the, you got rid of your high end, and you were hoping some some of the medium ends would step up, and you know it's early, but not really right now, and and it feels like AJ is just kind of having to make this up as he goes, and as someone that's one of his strengths, as you alluded to in your story this week on the Athletic, is him and Fetter their ability to identify the the best moves to make on the chessboard that is managing a baseball team and a rotation but i think the combination of maybe trying to save some arms and some arms getting gassed too as starters because i don't think every single time they've been pulled they've been pulled like precautionary they've been pulled because uh we're starting to see a little dips velocity angles uh just energy in general taking a taking a ball off the knee or whatever uh so uh, to to me this is just a bad combination and then you throw in an offense that's not scoring runs that much it's a bad it's not a good combo yeah i think this bullpen as currently constructed is not long for this world um and i think it's very fair to criticize the construction of the bullpen in the first place like if i were scott harris i think the trades he made are exactly what i would have tried to do i would have leveraged my most movable assets which was Jimenez and which was Soto and you you get young hitters in return um I think that's all terrific problem was as you pointed out they didn't bring anyone else in on a major league deal to supplement that and I do think Hinch and Fetter are good enough at this that they probably eventually figure it out and this thing late in the summer probably stabilizes the problem is when you go up and down the bullpen and kind of every guy is a question mark it is going to take time to optimize certain pitchers. I'm sure there will be some some roster change, maybe even as soon as this next series in Toronto. If I'm Tyler Alexander, if I'm Jose Cisnero, I'm sweating it a little bit. You know, I think they were hoping to have Brisky healthy and throwing well and turn him into like this power multi-inning power reliever, and uh, that's not looking very good right now, and I'm not sure if we're going to see Bo Brisky anytime soon. 
There are a lot of things that have gone wrong. Wingener so far looks great. You know, Englert looks great. So these are, again, good. that You, you can still identify some um, under-the-radar guys and turn them into parts of your pin. As you said, you just don't have the established guy. And the, your established guy was supposed to be Lang, and Lang's been off to a pretty rough start. Didn't have his command toward the back end of spring training. You know, Cisnero gave up the three-run homer against the Red Sox, and they put him in in the sixth, and kind of, or the fifth or the sixth, and the question was like, well, why'd they bring in Cisnero? And my answer was, because who else are you bringing in? Going to throw Mason England in that situation? Well, the next time Mason Englert might be the guy who gets that call, because I'm not sure we're seeing Cisnero in a big spot anytime soon. Uh, but the whole thing, A.J. Hinch has been great. If he can bridge the 6th and the 7th and get to the 8th right now, even Lang and Wingen are throwing the 8th and the ninth. you could probably feel pretty good about that. This bullpen really lacks a, a bridge, a 6th, 7th inning type arm. Um, and as a result, the Tigers have been in some trouble. They've already felt it. And you're right, when you continue to also get poor performances from your starters, uh, th that's a sign things might get worse before they get better. Well, you know, speaking of starters, I, you know, Saturday I was watching Joey Wentz, and that was a justified, but quick hook. Like, I almost... That was a quick hook, man. I, I almost thought, like, you just got to let him eat this because, you, you know, you've had yeah. all these... You've been playing all these games, and it's, it's a rough... Like, how many times you're gonna gonna have to burn arms in the bullpen? And you know, I, again, another thing that uh, didn't work out even with the change. You know, because right. my wife goes, <laughs> "You can't load the bases for Devers." I was like, "Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not ideal to have Devers in there with the with the bases loaded." Um, but but yeah, like that was a what did and, they and I don't I don't hate the hook. It was like clearly I'm not going to do this. I want to try to win this game. You know that's what he was saying with that quick hook. Uh, it just didn't work out, and your bullpen's not really built to handle a scenario like that. Well, okay, so Wentz, in case you know it gets lost in the translation of just like a bad weekend of, of baseball for the Tigers. He had two outs. He had bases loaded, or uh, bases loaded and full counts twice, correct? And walked them both. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the right field porch, so I can't like really hone in on the location, partially because uh, sometime during the course, I uh, I had a bad contact and I kept kind of wincing my eyes, <laughs> and uh, I got home or to the hotel about two in the morning. And and uh, didn't find my left contact, so I wasn't wearing contacts watching the game, so I really couldn't see like pitch location. But I was, but I, yeah, I remember at the time thinking, "Wow, this is a really quick hook." And then uh, it, you know, it didn't work out either way. The Wentz thing is the air out. Is the air out of Wentz right now? Uh, is there's uh, I've seen some speculation. It's like maybe if Lorenzen, you know, it, it feels all right. You know, Wentz hasn't. I would say he hasn't earned the right to stay per se, but uh, it's just a it's a bad outing when the Tigers have to make a decision pretty soon on a starting uh, pitcher coming back into the rotation. Yeah, I think unfortunately his last outing was so bad that any argument he might have had kind of goes out the window. Um, sounds like they want Lorenzen back, even though Lorenzen uh, had a pretty rocky rehab start. I guess that's a sign how desperate they are to 
try to get something out of this season, not let it get out of hand too early, even though it's very quickly trending that way already. Seems like they just want to get Lorenzen up in the big leagues, um, which probably means Wentz goes down. Now, here's my galaxy brain thinking. Here is my AJ Hinch suggestion box, first one of the year. It's not going to happen, but I just think it might be genius. How about leave Wentz in the rotation? Because he's pretty good, man. His first start of the year was really good. And you know what sucks? Your bullpen sucks. And you know who used to be a reliever? Michael Lorenzen. How about you keep them both up here? If Lorenzen strengthens your pin, he can be that bridge guy. I think that'd be awesome. It's not going to happen because Scott Harris paid Michael Lorenzen $8 million or whatever, one of his first free agent signings. They didn't pay him to be a reliever. Uh, I, you know, things like go south for him as a starter this year, maybe that could eventually be on the table, but probably not going to happen right now. But I think that is the quickest way to strengthen your bullpen. And personally, I still feel really good about Wentz being in the rotation. You know, uh, you could sell that in a, I think you could sell that in a, in a way that you're, you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you can sell that as we, we need you, but we need to still work you up. You know, and and, yeah. and yeah. it's not like there's not going to be another spot available in the rotation the rest of the season. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, your time will come, but right now we we need you here so you can get right, and then we'll let that play out. I I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy at all. I, I think that's something that a smart team would do. And, again, you, you just have to sell it in a way so you're not betraying, like, you know the prom. It's not just that they paid him; it's that like the promise that you made to the guy to get him to come here, and then like that's just what good organizations do is they don't go back on their promises to players, right? And especially free agents. Like that's that 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 stuff yeah. gets around. And I don't know who his agent is. I, it's probably Scott Boris because Scott Boris represents everybody, friend of the podcast. But uh, but at the same time, like you gotta you gotta do right by him. But I think you can sell it in in a certain fashion. You mentioned Brisky. Is there? Are we just doing this thing now? Like every time, there's gotta see another doctor. Gotta, you know, this that. Like I don't even care. Like what part of the arm is on the injury report? I'm just going. What are we just going to Tommy John right now? Are we going to flexor tendons? Like I, I don't know. Do we have any? Clearly, clearly, if it takes this long and you have to see this many doctors, uh, I don't think it's going to be good news. Whatever is coming down the pipe doesn't necessarily mean it's Tommy John, but it sounds like probably he's not going to be thrown for a while. Best case scenario. Um, and it fascinates me. Like, how many things are there to look at? Like, how many guys are going to look at the same, you know, imaging and like really tell you that much different? I, you know, that's far from my area of expertise, but from the outside, it always baffles me a little bit and look we saw that with Casey Mize where they puttered around for several weeks and then said oh actually he does need Tommy John and that literally is going to cost Casey from the ability to return this season that uh that gap of time where he was just seeing different doctors and doing this and doing that um supposedly Brisky saw his last doctor this weekend and so they will be conferring and maybe we will have like a tangible actual update coming soon yeah, because all I want is for him to have the word progression next to right, his name. Right, right. I mean, he's yeah. If your if progression's not next to your name on the injury report, what are we doing here? I think it should say he is progressing to another doctor. Doctor, <laughs> yeah, he is pro- going through his doctor progression. progression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, we can't. Hopefully, he's all right or whatever. But you know, talk about a guy that 
needs to, you know, could be useful now. And if the 2022 version of Will Vest was available, uh, that Oof. that would Will that, Vest is eating it in Toledo too. He's yeah. Uh, sh- shout He's broken out, right now. Yeah, shout out to uh, had lunch this week with with the one and only Mark Orosh, and he he made a really good best comment. It was like, well, you know, when he like when he's good, he's good. So you just play him in Toledo until he's good, and then you bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I, I think that's pretty spot on. I have I have uh, I have nothing to add to that there. Uh, Matthew Boyd, uh, let's kind of you know hit hit the hit the notes here, Cody. Uh, Matthew Boyd pitched today. I didn't get to watch him. Uh, what are we, what are we seeing from the most optimistic guy on the planet? I read a quote where it's like you know you can go seven and two just as easily as you go two and seven. And I was like, God, what a great guy. I don't think it's true, uh, but but what a great guy, honestly. Uh, uh, in baseball, it's it's somewhat true. It still take a lot for. For this current team to win seven out of nine games under any circumstance, but crazier things have happened. I think Matt Boyd looks just like Matt Boyd, which again is fine. Both his starts this year, he's given the Tigers a chance to win or to be in the game. And his first start, it wasn't pretty at all, but we were there. The second start, I didn't think his stuff was overly great. His command was not sharp at all, but you look up and his final line was solid enough. Um... But I am yet to see this whole, oh, he's a new guy. He's a different pitcher. Uh, I see a lot of nibbling around the plate. I see, you know, pretty good fastball slider. That, that's when it when it is right is really lethal. Changeup that can be good but isn't always good. I know he grips the pitch differently and throws it differently than he did in the past. But mostly I see the same Matthew Boyd, which is a decent, adequate, pretty good major league pitcher. Um uh, I, I'm just not seeing this whole new level that we were we were kind of sold on. Yeah, and could really use that right now. So he had two starts, you know, so far this year. He had a really good opportunity, and two starts this week, right? He had a really good opportunity to move up the HKG rankings, you know. And I don't think I don't think he quite did enough. And you know, Beerling. Uh, is gonna win this because he just had to because he had the home run the center and and the diving catch and although you know he did have one the two errors depending on how aggressive you want to be as a scorer uh, he did also play third base this week which I believe was the first time uh, yeah. this season for him and he's he he's looked better than the guy who stole spring training which was Nick Maton so. Uh, so have have to give number one HKG Matt Vierling and uh, HKG alert, let's go boy. Uh, Nick Maton needs to kind of find himself a little bit. Although he did have a uh, a nice double on Saturday, but um, but yeah, the, the const- <laughs> I think Scott Harris had the smile even though they were down by a lot. Had the smile to see Maton at second and uh, Vierling at third. He's like, this is what I, <laughs> this is what I built the versatile roster. Right. <laughs> Oh, hold on, but let us not forget Justin Henry Malloy, who made Keith Rosenthal's column earlier in the week, and Malloy is off to a great start in Toledo at the time Ken wrote this. Malloy had walked seven times in five games. So HKG, Harris kind of guy. Ken wrote this independently, not knowing that that is a thing. Ken wrote of Malloy, looked like a Harris kind of player. 
Oh. Ooh. Harris kind of guy. You heard it from Ken Rosenthal himself. He's I think he's got to be number two this week. Okay, I like that. Shout out to Ken for not trying to violate our copyright infringement. Uh, <laughs> it's always it's always it's always <laughs> nice when it's always nice when uh, people that I consider very smart, and I put you in that category, Cody, as well. But uh, especially when I don't know a person like Ken, like oh wow, okay, so something I thought he also thought independently <laughs> makes me feel kind of good about myself. Uh, there you go. All right, we're going to cut this a little short. We're recording this. Uh, I got to get to the hospital, see my dad before visiting hours end, see my family for Easter. Um, I do want to shout out, shout out Mark earlier. I wanted to shout out Joseph, who uh, complimented our podcast, uh, said it's the best Tigers pod. Um, so that, that that means a lot uh, uh, coming from him. Shout out Nick, was a very nice guy. A lot of people, super nice, um, but I wanted to give a couple shout out. Raj, shout out for you know being uh, super cool as always. Uh, not Tigers related, but your colleague Max, just a super nice guy, wholesome dude. Um, like him a lot. He made it seem like we're like best friends. I met him like twice. He's, a, <laughs> he's just you know that nice of a guy. Um, and you know, shout out to anyone who had kind words or took my koozie. Some of them, I would say, hey, y'all want a koozie? And people would be like, you're trying to sell them? I'm like, no. Who, who sells koozies? No, I'm just giving them away. Uh, so. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Still got some extras uh, if you want some. Uh, yeah, you know, we say. Can... Uh, you know, if you see me around the ballpark or wherever this year, I will. I will always have some in my bag. So ask me for a turning the corner koozie. Um, even if you're just listening to this and you want one, shoot me a DM. We'll we'll try to find a time to meet up at the park. And to all the people who did not accept their free turning the corner koozies, screw you. You're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so yeah, had a great time in Detroit. Uh, one of, you know, it was a, it, it was amazing to hang out with you, Cody, and your girlfriend, and, and see you know a Pistons game, even though you know they suck. But uh, you know, what be a couple games at Comerica it was a great time to meet people, see you know everything. Uh, a much needed kind of reprieve from the stress of my life. Uh, my dad is doing better. He's you know he's trying to talk, but he's got trach in, so he can't really talk. But he, uh, you know, he smiles, he recognizes people, facial expressions, uh, posed for a photograph, uh, you know, uh, my mom asked him to or whatever. So he's, you know, the brain is recovering and that's the big thing. Body looks great. Face looks great. Um, so uh, we're progressing. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody for thoughts and prayers, especially for those that celebrate Easter. Happy Easter. Um, I hope hope here in a couple next couple pods we have a couple more good things to talk about cody um but it was kind of a wild week and we still don't really know what this team is hopefully they're at least interesting for our sakes and for your sake so i want to thank everybody for subscribing on the athletic for subscribing to us on apple and spotify following on twitter at cody stavenhagen at kieran underscore steckley and at turn corner pod so i want to wish everybody a like i said Happy opening day weekend is behind us. Easter is behind us. Toronto on deck. We'll see what the Tigers do, but I want everybody to have an amazing week. And thank you for all the kind words. Mm-hmm.